So, man, we this week we had a couple of really awesome trailers come out. I mean, pretty much kicking it all off this week, though, was the uh, Spider-Man Far From Home trailer. Like what really, you know, Justin being our resident big Spider-Man guy, like what do you think? Well, honestly, I'm I'm very intrigued. And the I don't know about you, but the trailer just gave me a lot of feelings of the Spider-Man Homecoming film. It was fun. It was funny. It had an energy to it that I think was definitely needed. Um, it was nice seeing a lot of the characters back on screen again. It was nice seeing Marissa Tomei. It was nice seeing um, Parker's friends. It, it was just nice to see everybody. And then we got a big reveal at the end, and I thought the trailer was w- was very well done. It made me s- excited for what was to come. I mean, I, I, I would say that, but I think, you know, like I said in the first uh, trailer slayers we did, like, Marvel trailers just don't get me excited anymore. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, it's it's kind of just showing me shit for a movie that I'm guaranteed to go see. Uh, and one of the other trailers we're going to talk about is the same thing, but there's much less of them. I mean, you know, this is the third, you know, trailers for the third Marvel movie this, you know, this year alone. Yes. So it's, it's not that I'm num- it's, it's not that I'm numb to them. It's just that they just don't excite me anymore. You know, it's. But the thing is, is I'm still excited for the movie, if that makes sense. I'm just not excited by the trailers. Like, I'm really excited about Spider-Man uh, Far From Home. I'm really excited, you know, to see how that's going to all play out. Um, just like I am with Captain Marvel and just like I am with Avengers Endgame. It's just watching the trailers does not excite me anymore. I mean, it it did present some intriguing things for me, though. Um, I mean, like you alluded to, I am really fucking stoked for Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio. Uh, yes. And nothing I saw in this trailer did anything to like, not make me excited. Like I was excited anyway, when he was cast, I was like, I don't know what they're going to do with it, but that just sounds like it's going to be good. And then I saw this and I was like, yeah, this is exactly what I was hoping it would be. Yes. And I can definitely agree with that. And he had what I thought was a great appearance. He looked good with the costume on. It, it, it just looked like, he was a perfect fit for that. And then when the, and at first you see him kind of without the glass bubble, the fishbowl head. And then you get to see a final shot where he has it on for a few seconds. And it just, it it just made me smile, man. It was just one of those where you see it and you're excited. You know, you're excited for what you know it has potential to bring to the story. And it just really put a smile on my face, just seeing all of that together. It really did. And I'm I'm really fucking happy that, well, they did change the color scheme. I mean, ultimately, that costume does look like a movie version of his comic book costume. The colors are different, but ultimately, it still kind of looks like that. And I'm really happy about that. I'm really happy that, you know, they're taking one of the most ridiculous fucking looks in the sh- in, in, in the comics. And they're doing a legit version of it in the, in the movie. And I, that really does make me happy too. Yes. And it just kind of brings up a, a bunch of nice theories with it as well. Like, I wonder how they're going to do this character. Like what is, what are his motivations going to be? Because it looks like in the trailer, he might be trying to pass off as a hero. So I'm excited for that too. 
uh, because we all know, well, if you, well, I can't say we all know, not everybody reads comics and things like that or watches the Spider-Man cartoons, but we all know Mysterio is a master illusionist. He, he has all of this technology and tricks that he uses to create these optical illusions. And we know that that's the biggest thing about Mysterio is he's a fraud. So it kind of feels like that's the direction that this thing is taking. Yeah, yeah. And that's definitely something I wanted to talk to you about, because especially him with how he appeared at the end of that movie, especially fighting Hydra Man, which that was really surprising to me, too, that of all fucking characters, they're adding Hydra Man to this shit. Um, <laughs> but it really did uh, introduce a lot of interesting fan f- uh, theories with stuff. And uh, with that, like like you were saying that he is trying to come off like as a, as a good guy, especially in the beginning. And I think it's going to be a lot like, uh, what's his name? Uh, Syndrome and uh, the Incredibles. Uh, type of Incredibles. Okay. Um, but the thing is, is I think he's legitimately trying to be a good guy. I think he, you know, in his head and everything like that, I think he, he is a good guy. Uh, I do think whenever I did mention Hydro Man earlier, I do think that's a red herring. I don't think Hydro Man is actually in this movie. I think that's an illusion. I think that's fake. Uh, and I know Spider-Man fights him a little bit and all this other stuff. But, you know, there's lots of things that can be done with, you know, they can argue it's like holograms and water cannons and all this other shit. And, you know, that's why Spider-Man couldn't actually hit him. It's because, well, I mean, A, he is water. So that makes sense. But just whenever you look at the character of Mysterio in that scene, um, he seems like he's an amalgamation al- uh, of a couple of the other Marvel heroes. Uh, his suit is very much the color and style of Iron Man. His, his cape reminded me a lot of Thor's in the first movie. And his that that green energy shield thing he puts up looked a lot like some of the, the spells and the, the little glyphs that that Doctor Strange uh, has with his stuff. So I think, you know, he's he's essentially faking saving the day to just establish himself as a hero and to get in everybody's goodwill, you know. So he could be a hero and, you know, gain fame and everything associated with that. I like that theory. I could definitely see that happening. And it might also explain why he's in Europe, because obviously Parker's on a trip with the students and they're going to Europe. So maybe that kind of explains why he's there. He's trying to establish himself in another country. And maybe this is how he makes it in good with the other heroes in America that, of course, now in this universe, we're all aware of. So maybe this is his way. This is his end. He was like, oh, I can do some things over here, things that maybe he could easier easier get away with because there isn't a superhero presence in Europe. Yeah, definitely. And also, one thing I do want to say about Spider-Man being in Europe and everything with this. Every single student that's on that class trip with Peter Parker in this better fucking know that Spider-Man is one of them at this point, because Spider-Man is literally everywhere they are. Like whenever they're especially, I mean, (laughs) granted, yes, when they're in New York, yes. But then this class goes to D.C. and then all of a sudden Spider-Man's in D.C. And now this class is going to to Europe. And then all of a sudden Spider-Man's in Europe. They better fucking realize that Spider-Man is one of them in this film. You got a point there. And maybe it ought to at least be brought up or somebody could at least bring it up. But of course, um, MJ or or Parker's other friend could just kind of shoot it down 
kind of lead them away from that theory. But yes, I totally get where you're coming from with that. It's just every time this class goes on a class trip, Spider-Man goes on it too. Come on. There better be a line or two of dialogue that that does address that at some point. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it, it. I really do think, though, that we're going to end up getting some stuff with Mysterio, you know, saving the day. He's going to kind of team up with Spider-Man. They're going to kind of become buddies. Something's going to happen. I think Mysterio is going to end up failing and being exposed. Spider-Man's ultimately going to save the day. And so that's going to be Mysterio's venom turn or villain turn at that point is he's going to be the one that is, uh, you know, he wants to now go after Spider-Man because then he's going to blame him. Uh, you know, he's not going to see his own failures and, you know, the problems with what he did. It's just it's Spider-Man's fault, not his. Yes. Yes. I can. I can definitely see something like that happening. I could definitely see it turning. It's starting. As Spider-Man thinking he can trust him, especially because that is the narrative that we've sort of given Parker thus far. He's kind of that kid in a grown-up's world, and that's kind of what has been the the driving force for the character being introduced in the MCU. He's in over his head a lot, he's inexperienced, and he's still kind of trying to figure out where he belongs in all of this. and. He's trying to arrive to that point to where he's that confident superhero. And he's almost there, but there's another layer that they can add to that. And and I think that that would be a perfect way to do that. Even, even, even if it's one of those things where Spider-Man's in a situation where once he finds out about Mysterio, maybe he even almost blames himself for being so stupid or reckless or not seeing the signs or, you know, there could be a nice moment with that, with him and Nick Fury as well, something like that to that effect. And, and also to to kind of sidecar off that, like, you know, if anybody does not know, this will take place after Avengers Endgame that has been stated by Kevin Feige. That's, that's what this movie is. It doesn't take place beforehand, anything like this. This is after Endgame. So, you know, he's going to come back to life or however the fuck they're going to handle it in that movie. This is then. But this might be in a world where other superheroes might be gone now. You know, we don't know what happens in Endgame. Other superheroes might be dead. They might be gone. They might be something else. And, you know, he also might be dealing with the loss of somebody that was a teammate or a friend or a mentor in some way, shape or form. And then he might latch on to uh, Mysterio for that, because this is obviously an adult doing the same type of thing. Good point. Good point. And I believe you were telling me that that was one of the one of the prevalent theories that fanboys and other people are coming up with is the fact that, like you said, maybe somebody like Tony is gone or someone like that is gone because Nick Fury is there. So it kind of begs the question, why him and not guys we've seen already? So it definitely is an interesting uh, thought, I thought, for sure. Yeah, and there's that. There's there's the big check uh, that Happy's holding at one point that is uh, it's signed by Pepper Potts instead of Tony. Which, well, she is the one leading the company, but it's still one of those things that, you know, if it's a Stark Industries thing, you would still want Tony's signature being on the check. You know, it's a more symbolic mm-hmm. gesture, even though she would have the authority to do so. It's 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 a big symbolic thing. You know, you want, you know, if you're getting a grant or money from 
Stark Industries and Tony's the one signing the check, then it's like, yeah, Tony noticed this shit, you know, type of situation. And then on top of that, uh, going back to what I was saying earlier, one reason why I think Iron Man might not make it out of Endgame is because of Mysterio's costume. He's going red and gold. And, you know, that might just be a, a ploy to get, you know, the public on his side that Iron Man's gone. But look, I look like Iron Man. I can fly like Iron Man. I can do these things like Iron Man, like me. Hmm. Nice. Nice. That, that's de- that is a definite possibility. And I could totally see that working for the movie. And, and that's what's just great about what Marvel's doing, especially with Spider-Man. Because I know that before this call, we talked about the Vulture and just how much better they were able to make that character in Spider-Man Homecoming. So just imagine what they could do with this Mysterio character, the layers they could give him, his motivations, and especially his unique abilities and how intelligent he is to be able to fool people the way he does. I just think that you could really come up with a compelling villain. Yeah, like, for all intents and purposes, Mysterio is treated like a joke in a lot of cases um, because he really isn't that threatening within himself. Um, But a lot of people don't understand how good his illusions are. Um, There's a storyline called Old Man Logan in the comic books where Mysterio uses his illusionist powers against uh, Wolverine and he makes Wolverine think he's fighting the Brotherhood of the Evil Mutants. And it turns out he's actually fighting the X-Men. But his illusion was so good that he was able to trick Wolverine like his sense of smell, everything that like Wolverine has these superhuman abilities for. Mysterio can trick that. There's been issues in the comics where Mysterio and his illusions have worked on Daredevil. Daredevil can't even fucking see. And his <laughs> that, illusions can affect him. That is mind-boggling um, to think about. Like, no. I never knew he was capable of anything like that. So, it, it, it's apparently so within his illusions, like, smell and sounds are even authentic in him. Like with what he does. And we're not even talking about illusions like he's using like mind manipulation or anything like that. No, it's like holograms and special effects and and things like that is what he does with his illusions. You know, he just makes everything look like what's happening. And so apparently, but he incorporates smells and things like that into him, too. If you're going to be beating somebody like or affecting somebody like Wolverine or Daredevil, it can't just be a visual thing. There has to be other layers to his illusions. So. You know, it, it's it's things like that. Like, he is incredibly gifted with that. And he's got these little hologram projectors that he can throw on places and just make things appear. And it's they're always so realistically, like, looking. And that's how he always does things. And he does it also in ways to make people, like, the, the reason why they get confused is because, like, with the way he does his illusions is, you know, if Wolverine's fighting what who he thinks is Sabretooth, it's actually, like, say, Cyclops. And so when Cyclops throws a punch, it looks like Sabretooth is throwing said punch instead. So it's not like it's just a hologram that there's like, you know, Wolverine can punch through and get confused. When Wolverine hits what he thinks is Sabretooth, he's hitting someone else. They just look like someone else at the time, you know. And so that's why I think there's going to be a combination of like holograms and maybe like water cannons and things like that when it comes to uh, the Hydro Man part. So like when Spider-Man hits him, you know, or goes through him or whatever, it's water. He's passing through water like he would if he was fighting a gigantic made of, man made of water. Mm-hmm. You know, it would be it would be authentic to Spider-Man because of the way it's set up, you know. 
uh, I just, I, that's my, that's just how I feel with it. I mean, we could be completely wrong. There's so much that could happen between now and then. And, and I mean, we talked about this in the, the first trailer slayers too. It's, it's a Marvel thing. Any number of these things could not be actually the case. I mean, yes. when we watched that movie, it could have Tony Stark's signature on it. Uh, the suit might be fucking, you know, green and purple then too. Like Mysterio's suit might be the regular colors too. You, you never know. I mean, that's the, they're notorious for things like that. You know, like I said, it had all those gifts or the, the glyphs and stuff in, in his little shield he did. Those might not be there. You know, that might be an intentional red herring. There's any number of things they could tweak and change in the final product that we just don't know yet. And that's, and that's kind of, that is one of the beauties with, with the Marvel trailer. And I mean, and maybe that's one of the reasons why I don't get so excited with them is because there's, there is so many red herrings in their trailers that, I mean, I don't want to get excited about something that could ultimately just not even matter and be in the thing. <laughs> I could totally get that. Cause like you say, Marvel is notorious for, misleading people and making you think one thing and it's obviously another. So I can, I can totally see that. Perhaps the Spider-Man fanboy in me probably made me more excited than I should be. But I, but, but I will admit that like after seeing the end game trailer and seeing the Captain Marvel trailer, I don't know. I, and maybe, like I said, it's maybe it's the, the Spidey fanboy in me. But I felt more excited after this was over. Maybe it was the Mysterio reveal, haven't seen him and just seeing him. Maybe it was something about that. But man, I just, I, I really felt good about this. It just made me smile more than, more so than those other two trailers. No, I can get that. I mean, with Captain Marvel, we're getting an unknown entity in the, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, you know, in 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 game, we're get, it's essentially the sequel to uh, Infinity War. You know, but with this, it's not necessarily an unknown or anything like that. And it's coming off one of the better movies in the MCU too. It's P- Spider Man Homecoming. You know that uh, really revitalized and brought a ton of of, of freshness and revitalization uh, to Spider Man, who hasn't necessarily fared all too well uh, cinematically in a while. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we're just getting more of that. We're getting more solo Spider-Man, which I mean, statistically speaking is, is a gold mine and something that just everyone looks forward to anyway, even before the MCU, Spider-Man was a cash cow and now it's more. And so, you know, that's just a, a really interesting thing to, to look at with it. And also I want to say something else too, when it comes to Marvel's red herrings, at least when they do red herrings, they don't feel cheap. It's not like, uh, the fantastic the last fantastic four movie where you know you see scenes of ben Grimm dropping out of a helicopter and like fighting tanks and like going into battlefield and stuff like that and then it didn't show up in the movie at all (laughs) they take scenes from the movie and just change some of the things that's all they do like in uh avengers age of ultron there's a scene where all the heroes in the film are all around this, the one little, you know, Ultron device and they're fighting all the little Ultron bots. When they show that in the trailer, they edit out some of the new heroes to not reveal them yet. You know, things like that. They just, they take a scene and they just alter one aspect of it to not give away everything. You know, like uh, Avengers Affinity War, there's a scene in the trailer where it shows the Hulk fighting in Wakanda. Yes. And, and I remember seen, that. If you've seen the movie, 
the Hulk is not in Wakanda at all, you know, and they, they just didn't want to give away the Hulk not being there for that because, you know, for this and that. And the reasons are explained in the movie, you know, and so it's just the, that little twist, you know, to just not give away certain story elements or to not give away the timing of certain scenes and stuff like that. So it's, it's, it's deceitful. Yes, but it's not malicious. It's, I think it's very carefully done and, and, you know, not meant to, to trick you. It's just meant to not give away. Yes. And we've seen it too many times where a film does give too much away at in a preview. So I've, I mean, how many times have you been sitting in a film and all of the funny parts are in the previews? So then when you're there watching the film, they're developing and they're building to this joke. And nothing is worse than already knowing the joke. And it doesn't even get a laugh out of you because you heard it already. So I can definitely understand Marvel's logic in that. They they definitely know what they're doing. They don't like to spoil their films at all whatsoever. Yeah, and it's I feel like they do it so they it it feels like they give away a lot of information. It feels like they do because you get just the same mm-hmm. amount of scenes from the trailers that do. You get you you know, you get the same like scene count. But when you actually watch it, it's in like it's it's tweaked and it's changed and the orders changed and all this other stuff. So then you're not you're not giving away everything. And that's just a nice little little addition to what they do. Um I mean, but overall, I mean it's I'm I'm gonna watch it. I am I am I am excited to see it. It's uh it's gonna be fun. I'm I'm just incredibly intrigued with how they're gonna handle Mysterio and what they're gonna do with that character edition. Awesome. Yep. And I as well. And what do you think about people? Because just I've been kind of just keeping up with the conversation about that preview. And there seem to be quite a few people other than people that that and you address this, other than people who are like, well, I believe it takes place before Infinity War. Please don't be one of those people. <laughs> Understand that this, like Sterling said, this takes place afterwards. But you got those people. But then you have these people that are like, well, this ruins Endgame because we saw him fade away. We saw Nick Fury fade away. And now they are just back. So I've, I'm seeing this slew of people online complaining and saying, look, even though I knew that they were going to win, I know that the superheroes are going to win. This really hurts my suspension of belief because we are already showing that all these characters are back. What do you think about that? Did that, do you think that's like legit that did it ruin anything for you? seeing these characters back early well there were only two it showed back early with with nick fury and spider-man yeah the only two that it shows back and on top of that no because i've made it abundantly clear that a i thought spider-man's death was cheap Mm -hmm. but it we all knew this movie was coming out this year anyway like yes (laughs) yes it was known beforehand that you know this movie was coming out, you know, even before Infinity War came out, we knew Spider-Man was getting a sequel this year. It's not a big surprise that he was going to come back in 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 game because, I mean, this was already on the schedule to be released. It's 
you know, and I mean, we all could be wrong. Kevin Feige could be lying. This actually could take place uh, before Avengers Infinity War, kind of like uh, Ant-Man did. Um, there's any number of things they could do to justify it. But at the same time, like I said, this movie, we it, it's not a surprise. This movie was scheduled to come out. It was going to come out. And if you think that Marvel is going to, you know, let Black Panther make over a billion dollars and Spider-Man make it just a shit ton of money and all this other shit and the Guardians movies that make a ton of money and that, you know, all of them are all dead now. Like, do you really think they're going to stay dead? Yeah. Say what you will. It's movies are about making money and (laughs) Marvel's going to get their money. It's Disney. Disney knows how to make money. That's what they do. Uh, I mean, it's and it's comic book shit, man. Comic book characters die and come back to life all the time. There's like maybe four or five characters in all of comic book history that have died and stayed dead. I mean, it's just it, it's what they do. You know, it's I mean, sure. Could they have waited maybe a month or two longer to show this trailer to get it closer to endgame? Sure. But it, it, he wasn't going to stay dead. I mean, anything they could they could Marvel's reborn the shit and Infinity War created a pocket universe. And this is now in the pocket universe. I mean, who knows? Maybe that's why Iron Man isn't in this is because of these half of the people that died. They're in a pocket universe. So we're only seeing characters that died, you know, and happen to be in this version of the pocket universe. Maybe that's all it is. There's any number of things they could do to explain it that wouldn't necessarily give away in game. But I think the more realistic explanation is, come on, Spider-Man's not staying dead. Exactly. I mean, exactly. But it just was so baffling getting online and seeing all of these people just so angry and upset that this preview is being shown before Endgame comes out. And it's just so funny. It's like, well, I mean, what did you want them to do? I mean, did did you just want them to, you just wanted it kept quiet so that Infinity War was the last thing you saw before Endgame, or I guess really to be more accurate, Captain Marvel. You wanted that to be the only thing shown to you before you got in game so that it can all be in order. And that's just weird. That's just such a weird request. It's just such. Well, yeah. I mean, I didn't hear anybody having problems with fucking Ant-Man, you know, when Ant-Man came out after Infinity War, but took place before Infinity War. I mean, yeah. it's there's, you know, it's I mean, it's just one of those things. Like I said, either way, it's it. come on money, people, money. Like, do you really think Black Panther's staying dead? That fucker just broke a billion dollars. Come on. <laughs> exactly. That's just one billion reasons why that fucker's not staying dead. Even if originally Marvel's plans was to keep Black Panther dead, they just got a billion reasons why that that's the wrong decision and he would be coming back no matter what. Yes. I exactly. mean. Okay, it's, well, good. It, I'm glad you found that just as silly as I did. <laughs> it's just a billion dollars, people. I don't even know how much. I don't know off the top of my head how much money Spider-Man made. I just know it was a lot. And those are a lot of reasons why he would not stay dead. And on top of that, it's Spider-Man. And even if they were still thinking he was going to stay dead, maybe they hadn't. You know, maybe if this was a universe where they hadn't, you know, already filmed and were planning to release Spider-Man Far From Home. And they were like, maybe we're going to keep Spider-Man dead. And then Into the Spider-Verse came out and made just a stupid amount of money. And then that would probably make them rethink and go, maybe we're going to bring Spider-Man back. Yep. <laughs> and we should. 
if that wasn't they, like if that was the case and they weren't planning on bringing spider-man back and spider-verse came out and just made a ton of money i guarantee you they'd be reshooting scenes in endgame right now to make sure spider-man came back to life yep i'm you totally know. totally agree with that yep <laughs> it's yeah it's money that's all that matters mm-hmm. it's you know and it's and i i think they just give marvel some credit they've they've kind of got this down by already guys like they know what they're doing because you might be all mad that this spoiled in game but guess what you're still gonna go watch it exactly and i mean why complain about this this has been such a fun ride this has been just the past few years have just been so awesome that in some way shape or form yes it's a different universe and there are changes and things are different from the comics but it's so awesome to see all of this happening on screen to see all of these stories conveyed and they're done by they're getting top level billing and your a-list actress actors and actresses are in these roles i mean what a time to be alive what a time to be a comic book fan let's not argue it complain i'm just happy that all of this is happening i'm just happy that now all these general audience peoples who always thought we were weird for liking comics or reading that stupid stuff now it's the talk of the town now everybody's in on it i think it's just a wonderful time man um and marvel has proven to us that they make quality movies so this is not the time to lose faith not when they've done what they promised us up to this point i mean if you think about it in terms of like uh the way tv used to do things tv uh for a long time was always built on 22 23 episode seasons and you would always you know every season you know you'd have the overarching story arc and you'd have some filler episodes and all this other stuff you would always have duds no matter how good the show was you would always have dud episodes that were just sucky or boring or just didn't fit or anything like that and if you look at marvel right now by the time this is all said and done and you know we're we get spider-man homecoming i think that will be movie 23 or 24 at that point mm-hmm. uh, yep and so if you look at that like you would in like an old tv series with the number of hits and misses spider-man is or not Spider-Man, marvel has had over that 23 film thing if you look at that like those 23 episodes of a show they would have more hits than misses than most like great tv shows have over the same time i mean you look at james bond james bond is about to have the 25th movie come out uh next year i think Bond 25 and you look at james bond having 25 movies it's had way more misses than yeah. Marvel's having in its 23. <laughs> yes. Way less time. Yes, in far, far less time. That's a great point. I mean, it's taken them like, what, 50, 60 fucking years to get 25 Bond movies out. And, you know, you're, I mean, you'll have some debates on how many good you know, ones there are. I mean, realistically speaking, you're maybe looking at, let's just cut it in half. Let's just say, you know, 12.5, we'll round it up. We'll say 13. Say 13 of them are good. Marvel has more than 13 good movies. Yep. <laughs> and they've done it in, at this point will be 11 years. So yeah. in, you know, one sixth the time, they have more better movies than the Bond franchise, which is considered an all-time iconic film franchise. Oh, I didn't even think about that comparison, but that's... That is a great observation, and it just kind of puts into perspective that what of what they're doing. Like 
this is unprecedented. And on top of that, those Bond movies, you uh, not all of them link or involve the same character, or you could just stop and start over and you could just do different things. You could continue it on or you could start over and it's a completely different story. Like that's kind of, I feel how Bond has stayed alive is you could always just replace with something. But, but, and, and, and of course, Marvel has replaced actors and there have been different things like that. But all of this shit has connected for years. All of these stories have intertwined for years. I mean, the level of difficulty to do that compared to what they've done with Bond, I mean, it's just phenomenal to think about. And I mean, and and it's funny too, you'll have people talk about like Marvel movie fatigue and all this other stuff, but you know, they're releasing three movies a year lately and even their bad movies or not even bad movies, even their less performing movies are still making like 400 million at the box office. Yes. Like that's a lesser movie. Like if it was, you know, like if that was their scale, and that's one of their worst performing ones. That would mean that a movie that made 400 million at the box office might not get a sequel. And that's unheard of nowadays. Even nowadays, like 400 million at the box office is still amazing. And like Ant-Man's pulling that. Ant-Man can pull 400 million at the box office. Like, I think I've read <laughs> yeah. three Ant-Man comics in my life. And that fucker can still gross 400 million at the box office. That's insane. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Man. It's just, it really is just, it's just hard to fathom that they've been this successful with that many characters and that many stories that you have to connect together. (laughs) It's it it really is an amazing feat. And on top of that shit, it's it. This isn't like it's the fucking Transformers franchise that was making money and producing shitty fucking movies. I mean, for the most part, fans and critics are still behind these movies too. Fans and critics alike are both still liking Marvel movies and they're still making stupid amounts of money. Like they're doing something right. So let's just trust in them for now still until they prove us wrong. And let's just think that they're planning on showing uh, this Spider-Man trailer before Endgame, you know, has a point to it. Yes. But I mean, we we, we should transition there just because we do need to get yeah, to the best we've said enough. trailer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we need to get to the best trailer that came out this week, which is obviously John Wick 3 Parabellum. And I mean, I personally am super stoked about this. Uh, the John Wick movies are some of my favorite movies to come out in the past few years. I mean, I think I think a lot of what they've done has changed uh, action movies in general. Uh, and I say that I know, I know they're in a lot of ways, their action scenes, uh, they stole those from the raid. I get that. I'm not, I'm not going to debate that. The raid franchise is amazing, but yes, but what what Keanu Reeves has done in these movies is holy fuck amazing. Like uh, like there's all these and it's it's great, too, because I, I love that we still have these type of things that happen. Like, you know, these like behind the scenes stories and these like rumors and stuff like that that come out because of things like you used to get this in like the 80s and the 90s. Or I mean, you or like even all the way back to like the 60s and 70s with like rock stars and stuff like that. Those like urban legends about people, you know, and. Like one of them about Keanu Reeves is because of all the training he's done and because of all this other stuff, like, you know, all the work he did in the Matrix movies and stuff like that, 
the one reason why the the action scenes in the John Wick movies are so amazing are because unlike most other actors, he doesn't have to have as many cuts between sets of fight choreography. You know, most actors, especially of somebody of like, you know, a Keanu Reeves stature, you know, stuff like that. They can only go like two or three moves into a fight before they have to stop and reset to go into the next part. Yeah, I could definitely understand that. And there are times where other actors and actresses in those fight scenes that don't have that particular set of skills like Keanu Reeves, it is so annoying seeing a chopped up fight scene, just cut here, cut there, cut here, cut there. And you just can't make sense of what is actually happening in the scene. Well, it's one of the reasons why I hate the Bourne movies. All their fight sequences are that they're just very choppy fight sequences. And for a long time, that was the very much the style of Hollywood movie fight scenes. And it's because they were trying to get people that weren't fighters to do these very intense, highly choreographed, like martial arts fight sequences you know you wouldn't have that back in the day because arnold wasn't trying to use jujitsu on people you know (laughs) arnold was just beating fuckers up which that's very much in his skill set to just beat fuckers up you know but when you're trying to get uh you know an action you know or a just a regular you know big name actor to do like highly intense highly choreographed martial arts fight sequences and that's why they can't hold up because that's very strict discipline. It's very specific moves. It's it's infinitely harder, you know, so they can only do two or three and then cut two or three, then cut. But apparently Keanu, I saw one thing where it said he could go about 17 in. Wow. Which that's like stuntman level shit. Yeah. You know, he so going. That's why the fight sequences are a lot longer and they're a lot more fluid and and I love the fact that they zoom out during those fight sequences, too. That's my favorite thing. That's one of my favorite things about the John Wick movies is they're not afraid to pull back and let you see a full fight sequence take place. Um, and that's one reason why is it's because of Keanu. He can go uh, better than most uh, like actors can. So he can keep up with the stunt guys. And that's what allows those fight sequences to do that. And it gives it such a distinct style. That makes it so awesome. And also the guy's incredibly skilled with guns. Uh, there's a ton of YouTube videos out there and you, you definitely need to go look them up that show Keanu Reeves doing trigun competitions. Well, not competitions, but the trigun style training for it, which is a shotgun rifle pistol. Um, and, you know, that's a lot of shit that like uh, military and police do, you know, just as competitions, you know, just to show how good they are at firing, you know, weapons and shit. Keanu Reeves can do it. He legitimately can do it. Uh, it's incredibly scary how well that fucker can do it um and that i think is, it adds the office, authenticity of the weapon stuff i mean there really are there's youtube videos out there of him doing that shit and it's so fucking good he is so good at it and it it really adds to the character like you know when you see him the way he fires the way he he moves when he's holding a weapon the way he transitions from one weapon to another is very much in line with how professionals uh in in uh you know, trigun competitions do that stuff. He moves and acts and fires in the same fashion. That makes a lot of sense now. And now I understand why those John Wick fight scenes are so awesome. Because like you said, the transitions, man, how he'll go from punching someone and then throw the gun to the other hand, catch somebody's arm and then shoot them in the leg and then shoot them in the arm and then shoot them in the head. Like, 
I just love that stuff, man. Like, and, and John Wick, see, I, I saw, I was late to the Raid movies. So John Wick just blew me away with how innovative those fight scenes were. And then being on the ground for an entire fight and him and this guy are rolling around trying to get this one gun what he kicks him and then he puts his foot down on his arm and keeps him from reaching it and then he uses his other arm to try to grab it that he grabs it. the other guy grabs him so then he tosses the gun up hits the guy catches the gun shoots him in the face like it's just amazing stuff I, I mean just amazing choreography and when you're watching it like sterling says the camera will pan out and you see all of this. This isn't a cut, 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 cut. All right, now the guy gets shot. You're seeing all of this. So that means that they had to perform that in one solid take. You had to get a solid take of that sequence. And Keanu was nailing those. So my hat is off to him, man. That's, that is amazing shit. But yeah, going into this trailer, uh, uh, apparently was it parabellum in Latin means like prepare for war. If I'm not mistaken, it's something like that. Prepare for battle or prepare for war or something like that, which if you're familiar with the John Wick franchise, that's exactly what he's doing at this point. Cause he's about to have like every hitman in the, in the known world after him, uh, after being considered excommunicado from the, uh, the continental and everything like that. And, mm-hmm. uh, I like the fact that you get to see some of that. I think I, I like the setup where, you know, it's like that countdown to him being excommunicado. So he's t- trying to take advantage of every little thing he can until that point, like getting some stitches and getting this and getting that, you know, for that last little hour before it's too late. And he's really is just preparing for war. And, uh, I mean, fuck dude, it, you, you get to see him pull out a fucking katana on a motorcycle. Going up against, like, I think it was what, six other people with katanas on a motorcycle. Fuck, yes. I'm excited about that scene. Yes. Oh, God. I bet that's going to be great. And another thing that I love about the John Wick films is that they're just so smartly written. And the, and the dialogue, everybody just seems so badass. Everybody's lines... Uh, you can tell that the person who wrote this res- really loves his characters, and he makes sure that there's uh, that that, e- that when these characters are speaking, man, you you just get a sense that everybody is just a badass. You just get a sense that everybody's saying something that matters, and even when somebody says something funny, it's always like a funny quip or just something that you wouldn't expect that character to say but then it fits perfectly with the situation and it gets a laugh out of you so when i saw holly berry in the trailer i was like oh man i wonder how they're going to write this character and how she's going to be able to add something to that character i think this might be the most badass that holly berry will ever look or speak because I just know her lines are going to be fire. I just know it just from the other two movies. And another thing that I think that the John Wick movies don't get enough credit for is, yeah, a lot of people make fun of the first movie because it's the whole like, oh, you know, they killed the dog. So he goes on this murder rampage, which, yes, that is essentially the plot of the movie. It's a very overly simplistic version of that plot. But yes, mm-hmm. that is yep. <laughs> the bare bones version of that plot. Um but what I don't think they get enough credit for 
is actually that happens, but it happens within like a separate universe from ours. It's not, it looks and feels like ours, but it's not quite our universe. And they don't really explain all of it in the first movie. You just get to see like hints of it, you know, with the whole gold coin things and the continental and this and that you get, you get to see these elements of that universe. And then in the second movie, they expand upon it a little more, you know, you get a little bit more lore, you get like the blood promise, you get this and that, like you get just a little bit more of this. And then this one, it looks like we're going to get more of it too. Like there's that scene where he's got that cross and he uses that to get into this building, you know, Mm-hmm. and to go to speak to what's your name uh, um, character and stuff like that. He, so there's like, well, like I said, it looks and feels like our universe. It's, it's not. And there's a lore behind it. That's just been incredibly smartly interwoven into everything. And it's done in with, in such a way where no one gives any exposition to explain it. They just use it in such a way that it's meaning and intent becomes clear to the, the audience without dragging it down with characters saying shit that they wouldn't say normally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no one's going, Oh, John, one of those gold coins that you must have gotten as a hitman for committing a kill properly. Like, why would you say that to John? He would know it. Yeah. But nine movies out of 10, nine ten movies out of 10 would give that dialogue. That's true. That is so true. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, they don't do that. They just, do it. And as you watch it, you just learn it. You just, you, 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 you figure it out because the way they inter, they interweave it, it just makes it, it doesn't feel out of place. It feels like it's right within that universe. And it, they just do it in such a clear and obvious way that it, like I said, you don't need that explanation. You just, you figure it out as you go and they don't have to like drag it down. I mean, it's like when you go and you read like a comic strip or a comic book from like the fifties or sixties where they just overly explain every fucking little thing ever. <laughs> and I feel like, I feel like movies just do that in general. You know, they don't want to ever give any credit to the audience. And I get that people are stupid. I'm not saying everybody's stupid, but people are stupid. You, you know, that's, that's a terrible thing, but that's kind of the way our culture is just in general. Everybody needs to be like, have their hand held and walked through everything. At least maybe that's how it used to be. But like Hollywood's a very slow, slow animal to change. Mm-hmm. You know, that's true. everybody likes to talk about how, you know, like Hollywood actors are so progressive and all this other stuff. And they're like, no, Hollywood's a fucking slow beast. It really is. I mean, why do you think it's, it wasn't until 2018? So you had like, you know, a, a you know, big budget, black led, you know, superhero movie. Mm-hmm. Or why wasn't it until 2017 that you got a female-led superhero movie? You know, it's it's they're slow to true. change. That's true. And so while audiences now might not need those explanations, they did back in the day, and they just kept doing it, and they still do that to this day. There's still movies that feel the need to over-explain every little fucking thing that happens on the screen. Mm-hmm. True. With some with some piece of dialogue or some this or some that, and and I like the fact that John Wick doesn't bother with that they just they have their lore and you learn about what you need to learn as you go like there's still elements we don't understand that it looks like they're going to explain more in this like the whole the thing with the council uh i think we're going to see more elements of that in this movie and stuff like that and and i'm so excited about that that they were very much slow to piece everything together but it's very methodical and another thing that I, i i love about this franchise and stuff is the second one 
and in this one, they're directed by a stuntman, but he's not just any stuntman. And I think it's why these movies work so well together is he was Keanu Reeves stuntman in the matrix. I did not and, know. Uh, huh. Okay. Yes. Yes. The second, the second in this one were directed by Keanu Reeves stuntman in the matrix. And I think that helps because, you know, everything I've heard about Keanu Reeves is that he really is just the nicest guy that's ever fucking existed. And, you know, like one of the things he did, I think for the third Matrix movie, he took all the money he made for the third Matrix movie and just divvied it out to the crew of the Matrix movies. He didn't take a single cent for the third one. He just gave all his money away for it. Wow. And uh, so it's, it's, it's probably one of those things where him and his stuntman became best friends. <laughs> and so now like he's you know and he's directing them and so you know they have a good relationship you know it's where it really feels like you know him directing keanu and this it's it's like one of those things where he wants he wants to set keanu up for success in this movie he wants all his actors to succeed because he wants the movie to be good but it's you know what i mean it's not him trying to make a movie and then you know the actors are just in it no he's trying to set the actors up to succeed also because you can always tell when a director is doing his thing and the actors are doing another or vice versa. Or, yeah. you know, you can always tell whenever the director doesn't necessarily like a certain actor or performer in their movies and stuff like that. And that happens a lot more than people think. I mean, at least maybe to me, I see it all the time. I mean, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I think, you know, I at least see it all the time. But it's one of those things that like, you know, he's doing this like so him and Keanu have that trust. Like Keanu knows this guy's going to make him look good and vice versa. Like if he know he knows if he gets the best performance out of Keanu, it's going to make him look good by default too. You know, type of situation. You know, and also with Lawrence Fishburne in it. You know, obviously he knows Lawrence too because they were in the Matrix together. And it's yes. it just it really feels like this is going to be set up to succeed. I mean, and also I love their the mentality they have behind it because apparently when they were writing this, I, I read an article. Uh, they were talking about how this is going to be essentially Escape for New York in the John Wick universe. Huh. And that fucking okay. excites the shit out of me. Oh yeah, that's a that's a bold statement, man. That is a bold statement. You know, because it's essentially like you know, it was Snake Plissken versus the entire island of New York in that movie, and that's the mentality they're going for in this. Is it's just John Wick against the world, and yeah, that looked really cool. Uh, and and I'm I'm with you though with a uh, Halle Berry. Like you don't get to see a lot of her in this, but I liked the scenes I saw her in. Mm -hmm. I think I think that's going to be cool. And I like the fact that she has some some tactical dogs with her, uh. um, which the, that you see at the end, you know, when the German shepherds like him and Halle Berry are going into this place and the two German shepherds roll in with her mm -hmm. and like attack some like take some guards down and stuff. And I like that, too, because I mean, like we talked about earlier, the first movie was set up with a dog dying and now like dogs are a part of the fight. I think that's, you know, maybe yeah. I'm reading too much into that, but I, I like the, the symbolism no, of that at least, yeah. you know, it's a nice touch. It's a very nice touch. And I mean, yeah, it really is. John, John Wick is definitely one of the most anticipated movies uh, for me this year, hands down. Like it's hard pressed to have any movie I'm more excited about than this. And another thing is just that even in that preview, speaking of looking good, Holly Berry wasn't the only thing looking good. Like, there's just some beautiful shots, even in the preview. Um, the the shot where he's traveling what looks like on desert sands, and then there was the shot where he was fighting 
and it looks like that he's either in a club or a casino and guys are running at him and then he's controlling he shoots he gets one guy he disarms one guy and he's controlling the guy while shooting the other guys that he's walking through and i mean just the lighting the use of shadows i mean the film just looks just as beautiful as its predecessors it looks like it's beautifully shot it looks ambitious it looks energetic and those are just some key components you need whenever you are looking at a preview those are the things that always intrigue me and there was plenty of that in this preview yeah yeah definitely that like you said that scene where he's walking up that sand dune in the middle of desert and you just see nothing around him whatsoever and it's just him in a suit nonetheless in a nice suit yes just walking walking up the side of a dune and or or there's that scene where it's him and his dog his pitbull running down the street when it's just all these people walking in the rain and it's him no umbrella and he's running the opposite direction of everybody i love how most of the scenes you see him in are really setting it up to where it's him by himself going against everything else Yes, great observation. Everybody's walking one way and he's running in the rain the opposite way. You know, there's, like I said, the scene with essentially what it's set up to be like Yakuza people. You know, they're all on the bikes and there's like six of them with swords all against him. Him by himself on the side of a fucking dune, you know. And like you said, like where he's got the one guy and he's controlling him against a bunch of other people. I mean, and, and that's something he does in a lot of these movies. He fights multiple people all the time, but it really looked like they went out of their way to pick almost every scene they possibly could to show him 100% by himself in every yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and everything I know about this movie is it's, that's the theme, you know, it's him against everybody else. And then, you know, apparently he teams up with Halle Berry's character or whatever. And, you know, that's one of the few times you don't see him by himself. Cause even when he's talking to what's her name, uh, Angelica Houston's character, She's essentially turning him down, you know, so yeah. while he might be with somebody else in the scene. He's getting turned down. He's still on his own, you know, so if, she, if Halle Berry's character is the one that he teams up with, you know, that's all you get in this trailer is, you know, as of a scene of him not by himself is when he's with her, which, you know, for everything I know is the point of this movie is he's by himself and he teams up with her, you know, and I just really like <laughs> that the trailer itself nailed that theme. It did. You're you're right about that because like you said, we got all this imagery of him alone and it wasn't revealed that he had a friend with similar with a similar skill set until we got to the end of that preview. They purposely waited to the end to do that. And I don't think it was one of those things like Oh, look, Holly Berry's in it. Yay, you're really going to come see it because Holly Berry's in it. I think it, like you said, it was to complement the story they were telling about him being alone. Not quite. He's going to have some, he's going to have a friend in this, an ally in this, at least for a little while. So, yeah, astute observation, man. That's, that's, that's exactly what the story of that preview was. And also, one one thing, it, it, isn't the song I Did It My Way by Frank Sinatra? Yes, yes, it's playing. Yeah. Which is, which is another thing, which is like a part of the theme of it, too. Like, he broke the rule of the Continental. And, I mean, that was kind of the theme of both of the other movies is the fact that, like, you know, there's this world of people that do this, but he's the best. Like, he does things his way. And, you know, even even at this time in the most dire of circumstances, He's still doing it his way, 
you know, type of situation. And I, I really loved how that song fit also in this. I think more than pretty much any trailer I've ever seen, this trailer told a story within itself. Like every little thing in this trailer yeah. told a story. It told the, the, the story of the theme of this movie. It didn't tell the story of the movie. It just told the story, the theme of the movie. And I think that's an incredibly awesome way to do it. Like that way you don't give away too much. You don't do this. You don't do that. You just tell the theme of the movie. And, you know, a lot can be said for doing a trailer in that way. Yeah, I totally get it. And a lot of the best trailers I've seen this year so far are trailers that were able to do that. I know that I missed out on the podcast, but I know a couple of you guys did um, a trailer Slayers for the Us trailer. So, and that was another trailer that told a great story. And the funny thing is, is that about these two trailers is that there are similar themes because that was one of the questions that Nick Fury proposed to Spider-Man. He was like, you're on your own now. Are you going to step up or not? And that was kind of like one of the underlying themes in that preview. But in the John Wick preview, as we as you said, and as we talked about, that story was there without a person necessarily saying it. It was done just with the imagery. So those things you just tend to appreciate when you see it done so well like that. Yeah, I mean, it's and I'm also really interested to see what happens with some of these other side characters like Ian McShane's character or I'm so sad. I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head right now, but the guy that he was in the fringe and he was in the wire. Uh, he plays Karen. The uh, Oh, yes. Yeah, I know who you're talking the, about. Yes. It's it's the front. It's the front desk guy at the Continental. Yes. Um, oh, what is his you know, name? It, it escapes me. I like, but yes. But, but but I like how both of those characters essentially have to turn their back on John Wick, but it's not out of spite. It's it's literally they have their code that John Wick knew and he broke. You know, they don't wish anything ill upon John. Um, so I'm really interested to see what happens with characters like that. The characters that have to disavow him because that's what they have to do, not because they want to. Like a, like a John Leguizamo's character from the first two movies. For all intents and purposes, him and John are friends. But by helping John, it might be a death sentence for them. You know. True. So is it one of those situ- is it one of those situations where does John go to them for help, knowing that if they help if he if they help him, they die? Or is he gonna avoid them because he doesn't want them to get killed? Like no matter if he needs their help or not, he won't go to them because he doesn't want them to get killed for just being his friend. Hmm. Yeah, good point. I'm sure that'll definitely be in there. Some version of that. I'm quite positive that they're going to have to do that for sure. Yeah. I mean, and especially because like John Wick, yes, he is a killer, but he's not, he's not evil, you know? So I don't think he's like people he does consider friends or something like that. He's not going to go to them, you know, if he knows something bad's going to happen, happen to them. Or I don't think if he runs across them, I don't think he's going to kill them just because of something, you know, uh, I think I think he goes to Halle Berry's character because I think she's in a similar situation to him. So she has nothing to lose. Yeah, that that's definitely what it seemed like. And I just can't wait to hear a little bit more about their history. And it also makes you wonder as far as the adversaries 
what what they're going to pull from or who they're going to dig out because essentially if all these assassins are coming after them or mainly him then that there's got to be a second best guy there's got to be a guy who is either on the skill of john wick or maybe john wick knows him and thinks he could be on his level but he's not sure or maybe there there was something that never an old score that was never settled a question never answered i mean there are just so many exciting things they could do with that and you could have this just crazy fight towards the end of that film i think that's going to be the bald guy uh he he played the crow in one of the crow sequels he played uh he plays the chairman's nephew in the american version of iron chef um he's he's a he's a martial arts guy he's been he's been in a ton of things and i can't think of his head name off the top of my head either not that i don't, I don't think anybody's really gonna know his name um oh that one guy that was lance riddick okay um, okay no it's it's mark de uh he's he's been in just a bunch of random things but i mean he is a martial arts guy and um and you see him in uh in the scene where John Wick shoots essentially the bulletproof glass and you see him yes. in the glass. Yes. The, yeah, I think, I think that's going to be the guy. I think that's going to be the, the main guy that John Wick's worried about. Okay. Okay. Cool. Because they featured him a couple of times in the trailer. So yeah, that's, I think that's who that's going to be. Uh, another thing too, that I'm really interested about is apparently Jason Manzukis who is mainly known for doing comedies. He's on the uh, How Did This Get Made podcast. I mean, he's been in a ton of TV shows, Parks and Rec, uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, um, The League. He's mainly known for doing comedy. He's in this movie. Uh, huh. And he's one of the top build cast. Apparently, his character is called the TikTok Man. Hmm. And I, I love it, though, because uh, you didn't see him at all in this trailer. Nope. No, I was about to say nothing doesn't sound familiar at all. Nothing. So I'm I'm really curious to see where he's at. And another thing too that I just want to say real quick is that uh it is the same writer for all three John Wick movies too, which that always helps when you get a trilogy like this because you know he really it it adds to that consistency with things. Yes, and it's, the it's, chemistry it's with the actors story. and yeah, definitely, and the chemistry with the actors, the chemistry with developers and everything it's uh, that, that that's definitely the way to go and i i was wrong the the director of this movie also did direct the first one too so it was it was the same stuntman directed all three uh there was a another one uh, on the first movie and uh, david uh Letich, who was an assistant director who also has a directing credit on this movie so he was you know there's two on that one okay. but uh but he is, uh, it's the same director too. So that also helps when you have the same writer, the same director and the same lead for all three movies, you know, that really helps. And that's one reason why you are getting, you know, a good quality trilogy out of this because it's, it's consistent. Everybody's consistent throughout. And that always helps in situations like this. Oh, and another interesting fact, that same second director on the first one, uh, was the director of Deadpool two and atomic blonde. Huh. So, okay. Yeah. That explains a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I mean, it's, yeah, I, I am excited about these, both these movies, especially John Wick. Like I said, it's, I'm hard pressed to think of another movie I'm more excited about this year than John Wick. I mean, maybe up there might be it chapter two, mm. which comes out later this year. It chapter mm. two and us, 
So for me, it's John Wick 3, Us, and It Chapter 2 are, uh, are my top three I'm looking forward to on this. And Okay. I'm definitely uh, not disappointed by what I saw in this uh, John Wick trailer. Yeah, me neither. I can second that. It was it, it was great, man. It looks like it's going right back to what brought it to the dance. They They know what these movies need. They know what ingredients made the other two so great. And it just seems like more of the same in a good way. And then the things that they've added, you're excited to see how they're all going to fit into this John Wick puzzle. So I'm definitely excited for it as well. Yeah. And I mean, we'll, we'll go ahead and end it there, but let us know what you thought about these trailers, guys. And don't forget to take our survey two minutes. I'll put the link in. 